0: island church in galveston texas welcomes you to our podcast be encouraged by pastor rusty martin as he teaches the word of god there's some people here this morning i don't want to call you out publicly but i'm going to help you real quick if you've been suffering with what i call the i should have has anybody ever had that happen to them but me I should have done this, I should have done that, I should You know, your regrets are built on your I shouldas. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? <laughs> Amen. Your regrets are built on your I shouldas. Amen. And a lot of times we hang on to those I shouldas when really we shouldn't. Because it becomes a real care in our life. The Bible says we should cast all our cares upon Him. It says that in the book of 1 Peter, because all of his greatest interest is us. And listen, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness. And many times the I should's of our life are based in our mistakes, things we should have done and we didn't, or things that we should not have done and we did. Does that pretty much cover it? (laughs) Amen. So here's the thing. If you've got some of the I shoulda's or I, you know, I shouldn't have, I shoulda, but it's building a regret. You've got to stop that because that regret many times can lead to an obsession that will lead to depression because what'll happen is you'll think about it over over and over and over and over and over and over and if you've ever noticed the devil, he's a liar and he's the kind of guy that'll like to take your imagination and try to amplify that thing. And next thing you know, you're thinking outside the boundaries of the I should'ves or I should and it's tormenting your mind. Right. Amen. Does that make sense to anybody? Yes. Praise God. Lift your hands, Father, right now for every person that's dealing with this in their life and in their thought life especially. First of all, I take authority over the devil that would anyway try to take the past of our men and women our brothers and sisters, believers in the blood of Jesus and the redemptive process and the love of their heavenly Father, and use their past against them. For we are new creatures in Christ. All things have passed away. All things have become new. and I bind the spirit of regret that would look, that which would look back in time, And declare, I should have or I should not have. The bondage of that in the name of Jesus is broken. And the liberty to move forward, I thank you, Father, comes upon every person that needs it in Jesus' name. Now we thank you for it, Father. And we worship you. And we glorify your name. We exalt you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you've got that that message in tongues, would you wave your hand? Praise God. If you've got a message, go ahead, Sister Ella, and give that out, please. Now, not just what my servant has said unto you this morning, but what the Spirit of God is also saying unto you, for I am attempting to unpack the baggage of the past in your life, because you do not need to be encumbered by it as you proceed into the future. Yes, these are perilous days and these are times in which you must follow my spirit step by step, day by day. And if you do, I'll lead you into places of protection, prosperity, blessing, and freedom like you've never experienced before. So allow the word and the spirit and that, that which is inspired by the spirit to deliver you this day so that you walk in a freedom so that you may move forward in all that I have for your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a good word. lift your hands and receive that. Father, we receive that. Lord, we do. We receive that. We let go. We let go. We cast our care. We cast our care. We will not carry it. We will not carry it. We will not carry it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone says, amen, amen. God bless you. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're studying the subject of prosperity. Now, as we continue in this over the next few weeks, I think it's a blessing we have Brother Christopher Alam coming. If you want a book that's very simple, easy to apply to your life, when it comes to the subject of prosperity, get that book. If you don't have it, he'll have them here when he's here on that Wednesday night. And uh, with what we're seeing and observing and listening to, You know, on everything in life right now, you need to do your homework. Don't just take it for granted and do what somebody says because they say to do it. Do your homework. Amen? Uh, You know, what you take responsibility for, you'll have to suffer the consequences of either amen or oh me. So do your homework. Financially, do your homework. There are things going on right now that we're not really experiencing the full effect of what is coming but let me tell you something it's coming it's coming our dollar is losing its power it's not only its purchasing power but its political power there's a tremendous amount of political power in the american dollar and it being the preeminent currency on the earth it is still the currency in which the majority of people on the earth do business with when it comes to the petrochemical industry which means most countries have to uh, convert their currency into dollars in order to buy oil. Well, that's coming to an end very quickly. They've already passed the laws. They've already done the things. Not only that, uh, (laughs) you can't print money when you don't have anything to stand behind it. Now, let me say this, and if you don't think this is true, then you go study law. If you were to conduct your finances the way our nation conducts its finances, you would be in the penitentiary. If you don't believe that, go out and print you some money this afternoon and try to use it, amen? That's why counterfeiting is wrong is because there's nothing to back counterfeit money. Uh, It's kind of, you know, if you've ever blown up a balloon to the point where it it, uh, blew up, we used to have a, when we were kids, my dad used to wake us up early, usually on a Saturday morning, and we would take off like at 4 o'clock in the morning, and we'd start driving all the way to California. It was always a two-day trip. We always tried to make El Paso on the first day. That was a grind. Well, they thought they would buy us this game in order to entertain us three kids. I was probably about 10. My sister was about 8. My brother was probably about 5. And this game didn't have a lot of pieces in it. It just had a wheel, and it had a little spout where you connected a balloon And then it had this pump that you would pump up. And the name of the game was Kaboom. So you spun the wheel and you got five pumps, so you had to do five pumps. And you spun the wheel, the next person had three, got three, the next person had three, the next person had five, until the balloon went boom. Well, we played it twice and Dad pulled over and put it in the trunk. (laughs) No more Kaboom in the car, Amen. But if, if, in your mind, think of that game and that balloon, and it ain't got but a couple more pumps, and it's going to pop. You say, well, interest rates are good, and this, I'm telling you, it's going to pop. I know it by the Holy Ghost, I know it by the Word of God, and I know it by doing my homework. Amen? Now, we must understand what is prosperity when it comes to the Word of God. It is the ability of God to bless you financially Beyond your ability to earn a wage or to conduct a business or to make an investment or whatever you do, it is literally the supernatural component of God, of His very nature, because He is a God of generous abundance. It is His ability to bless your life according to your obedience to His Word. Now, there is a kingdom economy, and it has nothing to do with the economy of this earth other than God knows his children have to draw out of this earth system in order to survive. You can't go to the the power company and say, I'm going to pay my power bill today with Philippians 419. My God shall supply all of my need according to his... They're going to look at you like you're crazy. Because that doesn't work in their economy. But it works in God's economy, and I'm believing God here at Island Church that there's going to be a lot of increase financially in people's lives through ideas, insights, concepts, all types of things that God desires to do to bless us financially, because we have basically prophesied this for the 19 years that we've been a church. I mean, when we first started, when we were still over in the hotel ballrooms over at the Tremont house, we'd get up and say this, there's a time coming. There's a time coming. There's a time coming when the entire economy of this earth is going to shake. It's going to be destroyed. It's going to be in turmoil. But there's going to be prosperity in the church. And we get up and say this. There's a time coming. There's a time coming when in the medical community there's going to be all kinds of turmoil, confusion, all kinds of things going on. But in the midst of that, the church is going to be healed. Amen. Amen. So those times are not coming now. Those times are here now. So you're going to have to understand that there is a protocol in the Word of God of revelation from the Word, obedience to it, your act of faith. You're maintaining that faith through worship and expectancy in which God wants to just unload a lot of money into your life. Not just for the purpose of your comfort but for the purpose of the expansion of the kingdom of God upon the earth. I like to say it like this. God wants to bless you to be a blessing. I so thank God that Leah and I, our entire life that we've been married, we've been able to be a blessing to people. Sure, God has blessed us. Sure, God has increased us. But listen, we've had to learn to live by faith in God alone. Right now, I mean, I guess since 1996 when Leah left the business world, we have lived in faith Uh, by faith, of God alone financially. And we've been all over the world. We live in a beautiful home. We have all the food we want. We have money. We We have investments. We have all kinds of wonderful things. We don't live from paycheck to paycheck in any way. God has blessed us beyond our ability to earn a living. Amen? Now, you have to understand, God wants to do the same thing for you But just like you would do everything you're supposed to do to make investments and study markets and market trends, you need to study the Word. One idea could make you rich. I mean, there's people living in Maui right now that that invented the pet rock. I saw their house. It's It's about a $3 million home that they live in on the south shore of Maui and all they invented was a pet rock. And they made millions of dollars, but what they did is they took those millions of dollars and invested them and made millions more and invested that and made millions more and invested that. Now they don't have to worry about anything except when does the tide go in and out. Amen. Now if somebody could do that in the world system, what could could people do in the kingdom of God? Now, when we first begin to serve the Lord, our family in the early 60s. I did not hear as a child growing up any teaching on prosperity. I didn't, I didn't, I don't know if there was. If there was, it was not not being voiced much. There may have been some. You were urged to tithe and offer to keep the church going. We took special offerings for missionaries when they came to our church. I think we did a Sunday school expansion. They built a Sunday school building or something like that uh, onto the church when we were there. But when I came back to the Lord in 1984, while I was in Bible school, a man came to our church named Kenneth Copeland. And I'd never heard of Kenneth Copeland. And uh, he got up and he began to teach on on how God wants to bless you and God wants to prosper you. And he talked about how he had flown in on his, his own airplane. He talked about how God had made him a multimillionaire. He talked about all these things that God had done. And it was foreign to me because... I had a religious mindset when it came to money. Now, we said this when we first started teaching this. We have to, as people, as men and women of God, we have to break religious brainwashing, and we have to have New Testament revelation when it comes to what God wants to do for us financially. God does want to do something for you financially. He didn't just put you down on the earth and call you his child, you know, as a symbolism. You are organically his child. Let me try that again. You may need to get that revelation. You are organically his child just as much as you are the child of your own mother and father. You are organically the child of God. And he has birthed you with a greater power than the birthing of your mother and father. He's birthed you by the blood of his own son. And because of that, He does not want your life to reflect the economy of your human family. He wants your life to reflect the economy of His family. And His family's not broke. And His family's not poor. And His family does not struggle. And even Jesus said when He was on the earth, pray this. Pray to the Father. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm telling you, ain't nobody in heaven sweating the mortgage, sweating the light bill. I tell you, they're all free, they're all happy, and they're all out of debt. Amen. Now, coming up in ministry, the mid 80s into the late 80s and the 90s, it seemed like everybody and their dog started preaching and teaching on prosperity. And they begin to breach what I call many of the character boundaries. And preachers became gatherers of money. Some of them are still trying to do it today. Uh, I, I got to the place, especially there in the late 80s, I couldn't even watch Christian TV anymore. It was ridiculous. It was an absolute carnival of people doing anything they could do to try to manipulate the body of Christ to get money out of them. the they, they, Things they would say, things they would do, the way they would do things, it was just terrible. It was terrible. And then I saw a lot of ministries that went and chased money. Now, Lee and I were in field ministry. That means we were not in charge of receiving our own offerings. We didn't do anything like that. And even with partnership in ministry, we were very, very cautious. We put out a a brochure, had our logo on it, had a picture of me up preaching on the front of it. And it was basically, the title of it was Friends of the Ministry. And we instructed people that wanted to partner with our field ministry. We instructed them like this. Number one. Be a tithing member of a local New Testament church. That's what you need to do. Number two, make sure all of the projects of your church, your missionary outreaches, building funds, all of that, make sure you put that in front of any giving to our ministry. Number three, after you've done those two things, if God has spoken to you to support this ministry, then we welcome you to do it. And God gave us beautiful ministry partners. But not only that, all of the pastors loved us. And we called, listen to me, we called those that supported our ministry friends of the ministry, not covenant partners. You say, why not covenant partners? Because I wasn't in covenant with any of them. The Lord spoke to me early on in field ministry that when you go to a church, you have a special relationship with that church, and that church is a sister-brother relationship, but those pastors have a husband and wife relationship with that church. So I understood that. And so when we begin to just go out and preach, and we didn't ask any questions, we didn't say, well, we have to have this much money. We just went by faith, went by faith, and God blessed us tremendously. But one thing we did is we did not violate the integrity of the Word of God by saying things that were not true, you say, "What do you mean by that?" So I wouldn't call our partner's covenant partner. The word "covenant" is a very heavy word, which means an equal exchange of everything that you have. And I guarantee you none of those people would pay your light bill. <laughs> Amen. So are you in Deuteronomy chapter eight? Let's go through a few things that will help you. Deuteronomy chapter eight. we've used this in offerings. Many times, and as we go through teaching on prosperity, you're going to see many of the scriptures that we do use for offerings. So it will help you to be what? New Testament taught, to have a New Testament understanding of what God says about your finances. Now, here it is in verse in verse 8, excuse me, verse 18. It says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power. Everybody say power. Now, if you're not where you need, if you're not where you want to be financially, then you need some power. Let me say that again. If you're not where you want to be in your life financially, then you need some power, and the source of power is the Word of God. Again, the scripture we quoted earlier. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for what? It is the power. So if you want a financial increase, you're going to need a power increase because your current finances are operating along the level of your current power that you have in your life right now not one amen on that one huh amen it's either amen or oh me you say well pastor i'll tell you i'm struggling to pay my bills i don't know what i'm gonna do from one week to the next i'll tell you i'm barely getting along i don't know what to do i come to church but i never have any money put the offering i tell you I, i don't know if i could if i did you ain't got no power And God said He's going to do what? He didn't say He's going to give you wealth. He did not say He's going to give you wealth. He said, I'm going to give you power to get wealth. you got to have some power. Therefore, you're going to have to get into the Word. You're going to have to understand some things about the Word of God, how it operates, how it works. You're going to have to understand faith. And if you do that, God says, here, here's you some power to get some wealth. Amen. Now notice this. I'm going to give you power to get wealth. Why? So that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. He is saying this, I want you to financially reflect my kingdom and my nature. Because through my kingdom and my nature, I establish the covenant. You know know what it means to establish a covenant? That means both parties act upon it. Both parties act upon the covenant, therefore the covenant comes into, into play, therefore power is released, and you're able to go out and get wealth. Well, Pastor, I thought we were just praying God give it to us. No, that's not, not a way. Well, I gave some money to this preacher, and he said everything's going to be all right. Yeah, that's, that's, that, 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 they got you on that one. Amen? They got you on that one. That's why we're very careful with how we receive offerings. We we relate our offerings to worship. You're taking part of your your life, your income. That's a very precious part of your life. You're giving it to God. You're planting it as you would plant a seed. You're not planting it in the good soil of Island Church. You're planting it in the good soil of your own heart. Therefore, you're responsible for the return that comes back. And through the power that God imparts to you, He's going to give you insights. He's going to give you concepts. He's going to give you ideas is and He's going to put favor upon you. That means you're going to get the best deals. He's going to bless your life and you're going to, literally you're going to increase beyond your ability to earn a wage. That's what prosperity is. Now go to Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. Now here God just kind of takes the same thought and He pulls it over into not the departure of Israel from Egypt, but Israel going in and possessing the promised land. Now this will give you some insight into prosperity. God spoke to the children of Israel and he said, I'm going to give you a land that flows with milk and honey. He actually, if you go in and study both Exodus and into Numbers, he, he said it like this. I'm going to give you crops you did not sow. I'm going to give you herds that you did not raise. I'm going to give you wealth that you did not earn. But you're going to have to go in and possess it. You're going to have to go in and possess it. And when it came time to go in and possess it, what happened? They were like, nope, we're not going to do that. There's giants in the land. But where were they? They were out in a stinking desert. Out in the wilderness where they had to be totally dependent upon God. And God was saying this, Look, you can't plant seed out here. You can't grow crops out here. You can't raise cattle. You can't raise sheep. But I'm going to give you a land that flows with milk and honey. Amen. But you're going to have to go in and do what? Possess the land. The same thing is true of every covenant promise we have in Christ. Just as the children of Israel went in and possessed the land... We've got to go in and possess, quote, our promised land. Our promised land is not heaven. Heaven is our reward just like it became the reward of those that died in faith in the old covenant. Now they're in heaven. That is their reward. Heaven is our reward, not the promised land. The promised land is down here on earth. It has to do with once you're born again, the package deal of redemption, being empowered by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, being enlightened by the Word of God, being healed by the stripes on Jesus' back, and He became poverty so that you through Him might be abundantly supplied. But you have to believe it, you have to confess it, and you have to act on it in Jesus' name. That's why we take offerings the way we do. They are an opportunity for you to worship God through what you believe in your heart, then we make that confession. Listen, when I find a better one, I'll put it up there. God gave us that one until He gives us another one. We're going to leave that one up there. Amen? But every time you write out your check or you put some money in an envelope or you do your deal with your cell phone and you hold it up and you make that confession and then you push that button or you come up here, you are acting in faith and you are sowing the seed of the Word of God into the good soil of your own heart by your act of faith. But you have to do it according to God's protocol. We're going to get in that even more in the future so that you'll understand. A lot of people, they say, well, you know, I I come to church and I like the teaching, the music's good, you know, and every time I come, I'll give 20 bucks, you know, I'll give 50 bucks. You'll never prosper because you're doing it your way. You'll you'll never do it. You'll never have some supernatural component of God. I'm not saying you won't make your wage at your job or you want your business will not make the money that it needs to make. But as far as having a supernatural windfall in which God brings something supernatural into your life, you'll never have it because you're wanting it on your own terms. I had a guy get real mad at me one time when I was in field ministry. I was preaching at a church and and, and I had mentioned something about tithing like that. And he came up to me all puffed up saying, well, I'm going to tell you how I tithe. I give 2% over here, and I give 5% over here, and I give 3%. I said, That's, I said you're doing it your way. You're not doing it God's way. Okay. Well, what difference does that make? I said, it makes all the difference in the world. <laughs> Try to get saved your way. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You can't do it. There's a protocol in the kingdom. And all through the word of God, God lays out that protocol so that we'll understand God set this up for several reasons. One is discipline. Two is character. God wants to develop in you not only the discipline but the character of Christ. And many times, he developing that character in you is not very comfortable, especially when it comes to money. When you know you're supposed to do what the word says and your finances are telling you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. Leah and I have discovered and we testify to you the reality of every time we've told the devil shut up, leave us alone and obey God, God has blessed us supernaturally. Amen. Now Joshua chapter 1, let's go to verse 7. Now if you're going to make it in these last days, you're going to have to listen to this. Only be thou strong... And very courageous that thou mayest observe to do all according to to the law which Moses thy servant has commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Now notice this. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. We say it like this. The word of God shall not depart out of your mouth. So you're gonna have. This is the beginning. This is the foundational beginning of prosperity. You must get the word in your mouth. Well, it really want It doesn't really matter what you say about your money, preacher. I tell you, it comes and goes. Yes, it makes it, it makes all the difference in the world. Everyone I've ever noticed that said, that talks like this. Well, we just can't make it. Do you know they don't? Everyone that makes a confession of lack, of doubt, of unbelief, of insufficiency, uh, of insecurity, everyone that speaks like that gets exactly what they say. So you're not one of those prosperity preachers. Yeah, I'm just like Joshua. He's preaching he's pre- he's pre- he's pre- on confession and prosperity in the sixth book of the Bible. Amen. You can't let the word depart from... I means you ought to You ought to have developed in your spirit. If I were to just call on you right now, you stand up and say, this is my confession right now. My God supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm a giver. It comes back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I'm a tither. The devourer is rebuked. He cannot touch my seed, nor what my seed produces. God opens up the windows of heaven, pours me out a blessing. My life does not have room enough to contain. My seed does not cast itself before its time in the field. For my shame I have double. For confusion I rejoice in my portion in in my land and life I'm a possessor of the double God gives me the ability to obtain wealth so that my covenant uh, his covenant is established here on the earth thank you heavenly father you're not mocked whatsoever I sow that shall shall I also weep thank you father you spare not your own son but you shall also with him give us all the things all the other lesser things freely you give to us thank you heavenly father Jesus was made poverty so that I through him might be abundantly supplied nothing is impossible with you. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by spirit. You delight in the prosperity of your servants. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Is that what you say about your money? If it's not, you need to start saying it. Go to the power source. That releases power. Well, I can't feel it. Doesn't matter. I can't see it. Doesn't matter. That releases supernatural financial power. Two things the Lord has really impressed upon my spirit in the last few few months is this. Number one, you have to seek me for power to protect what you have. Number two, you're going to have to seek me and increase the power so that you'll prosper. That's why I'm teaching on prosperity because God wants to open up some brand new revenue streams right here. In this congregation right here, God wants to bless investments. God wants to bless businesses. God wants to promote jobs. God wants to do all kinds of things to bring supernatural prosperity into your life. God wants to do it, but we have to be willing to turn up the power source. So you've got to get the word in your mouth. Now notice this. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt what? Meditate therein day and night. Now, what I just did with that confession, that's basically meditation. Usually I don't say it that loud, but in teaching on a Sunday morning setting, then I'll say it that loud. Usually I'm, you know, at the gym when I'm running or, or when I'm working out or when I'm doing things, I'm just under my breath, just kind of mutter, Thank you, Father, you supply all my needs according to glory to God. Hallelujah, I'm a giver. It comes back to me, good measure. Pray. Thank you for grace for giving, grace for receiving. Oh, my expectancy is so high, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father, you supply all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ. You have to do that over and over and over all day long. That will keep you from worrying about money. Because the Bible says it's the Word of God that does what? That creates a garrison or a guard around your mind. Amen. But now notice this. This book of the law or the Word shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall what? Meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do. Now there's your action. Now you've got revelation, that's the power source. Now you're acting on the, on the precepts of faith by believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. We get up and share a scripture, we make a confession, we give you opportunity to bring your offering up. You bring your offering up, you put it in the receptacles or you do it on your phone. You that are watching, you send a week, thank you for sending in your, your offerings by mail and doing the things that you do. When you do that, you release your faith through obedience You've believed in your heart. You've confessed with your mouth. You've acted on the Word of God. Now all you have to do is maintain your expectancy through worship and praise of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And then be specific in what you believe in God for. Then the rest of it's in God's, God's, God's corner. The ball's in His court, so to speak. But you have to get to the point where you observe to do all that is written, don't just flip money into the offering. You've got to observe to do all that is written therein, because what you observe to do, all that is written therein, that's what you've been saying about your finances. Now you've given God something to work with. You're giving him not only his word, which he watches over his word to perform it, but you're acting on that word, and you've created a seed through his word, and you've covered it with money because you're wanting it to reproduce after that. Therefore, you've planted it in the good soil of your own heart, and it's going to come back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Listen, a lot of the churches lost their expectancy for financial blessing. They've got their eyes on the world system. Well, Pastor, they're trying to crash the dollar. They probably will. The earliest date I've seen is is July of this summer. They'll crash the dollar. You say, what does that mean? Your dollar will be worth nothing. Oh, that could never happen. Go study the times in which the currency of countries have gone from, 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 from what it was worth to zero. Go study the Weimar Republic, what happened to Germany right before World War II. Go study what happened in, uh, 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 was it Zimbabwe? Under, uh, uh, I think it was in Zimbabwe, in which one day you were buying bread for, for, for you know, $1. fifty The next day you had to have a wheelbarrow. You had to have a billion of them to buy it. Amen. I mean, it's happened over, happened in Mexico. You that are very familiar with Mexico and the history of it, it happened in Mexico where the peso was inflated, inflated, inflated. Then it just fell, it just dropped down to nothing. That's what caused much of the poverty that's in Mexico to happen. You've got to understand, church, when you take currencies of nations and you involve it with iniquity and sin, God God can't bless sin, God can't can't bless bless unrighteousness, God cannot bless unbelief, and God can't bless lazy. And I've seen whole countries that were lazy, whole nations that were lazy. Just wouldn't do anything, hardly to to raise a spoon to their mouth to feed themselves. So you've got to understand there's a protocol and a standard in the Word of God What do we do? We get that word in our mouth. We begin to speak it over and over. We allow that spiritual dynamo, what we believe in our heart, say with our mouth, believe in our heart, say with our mouth, say, well, pastor, I I have a hard time tithing. I have a hard time giving. You need to make it easy on yourself because that is the protocol that God uses because he puts the responsibility for prosperity on us. Look at the rest of the scripture. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written therein. Then, You make your way prosperous. And then God says what he's going to give you. What's he going to give you? Good success. Everybody say good success. success. Say good success. success. How many of you really want to prosper? Anybody? I mean you really do. Or you want to just leave your finances to whatever happens in the world. Amen. Then you need to listen. You need to listen and hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you. Because if you will, I guarantee you, you're not going to just barely make it. You're going to thrive in the midst of all that's going on in this world. Because literally we're teetering on the... We're on the last couple of pumps of kaboom. And it's going to go kaboom. Amen. And there's going to be hordes of people coming to churches like this one. Saying, I need help with food. I need help with, with, uh, I need help with paying my rent. I need help with with paying my car note. I need gas. And I'll say, good. What you need to do is you need to give us some money. And they're going to say, you're a cult. (laughs) But remember, we're not religiously brainwashed. We're New Testament taught. And because of that, we are finding out how to get the power to get wealth. Either God said that and it's true or he said that and he's a liar. Now, good success. Everybody say good success. Ooh, i close with this. My time's up. Everybody say good success. God wants you to have good success. Not all success is good. And a big old chunk of money coming into your life does not mean good success. It's been proven over and over and over that many times large amounts of money is the ruination of marriages and of finances. The lotteries and the gambling, uh, what would you call it? The, those that sc- study uh, the gambling trends. And let me just say this. If, if you're a gambler, get, get rid of that out of your life. That's as bad as drug addiction or some sexual perversion. Get rid of gambling out of your life. Number one, none of the, none of the great gambling cities are built on winners. It is rigged. I know professional gamblers. I had a friend who, was, who was, uh, he was quite a few years older than me, and he was injured at one of the, the, the uh, plants in Texas City. And uh, uh, he got a large, I mean like a, a, a big seven-figure settlement. He was, he was injured to the point where he couldn't, you know, he was disabled, couldn't work anymore. Now, that cost him his marriage, cost him his family, cost him his home. So he became a gambler, and he gambled the rest of it away. So when I met him, this was his life. He would go around Texas City, Lamar, Galveston, all this area, and he would seek out little Penny Annie Bure and, and Texas Hold'em and, and Black Jack and, you know, Three-Toe Pete and all these kind of gambling. He'd seek out these little games, and he'd make $20 in this game. And, 100, and he would save up, and sometimes it'd take him a few weeks, sometimes a few months, $10,000. He would have $10,000. And he'd go to Las Vegas, and he'd stay in Las Vegas as long as he can. Until he was absolutely broke. All we'd have was a ticket on the way home, and he'd fly home, start the process all over again. So I asked him one time, I said, What's the shortest you were there? He said, One afternoon. He said, I lost 10 grand one afternoon. He said, I said, What's the longest you were there? He said, I was there for six weeks one time. I said, Six weeks? He said, I won almost $500,000. I said, Really? He said, It took me six weeks to lose it. Amen? So that shows you what kind of system that is. And any money made like that is not good success. Now, real quick. What is good success? Number one, good success does not compromise the integrity of the Word of God. That means you don't have to do something illegal or immoral to get it. Listen. Get rid of this mentality of, that well, I'd do just about anything for money. Don't do that. There is a whole lot that I would not do for money. You cannot buy me. I'm not going to lie for you. You're not going to buy my loyalty. You're not going to breach my character. I tell you, there's a And I've seen preachers just the opposite. You could buy them and sell them all day long. It's a tragedy. Secondly, now listen to this. Good success does not destroy someone else for you to have it. Now, think about that just for a moment. And how many fortunes have been made at the expense of the people that were destroyed for that individual to get that fortune? A lot. There are stories out there that are just heartbreaking of how greed and, and basically unrighteousness in some people and they just knew how to manipulate things, how to do things. I mean, I mean it's 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 incredible. The Ponzi schemes of the 90s were were, were horrible. They got into churches. They got into other places. They were such a lie, an absolute lie, in which somebody would present this great investment, take all kinds of money for people, steal all of their money, and at the time when that investment was supposed to come to pass, oh, well, we lost it all. You know it was a risk anyway. They didn't lose it. They kept it. Stole it from you. And there's people in prison for that right now because it was illegal. Amen. And he got into churches, and I talked to some pastors about it. They say, Well, you know, there's some gray areas in that, but you know, it's gonna put a lot of money in our church. It did not put money in any of the churches I know of. Actually, it harmed them greatly. So it does not compromise the integrity of the word, and it does not harm others for your benefit. Third, it's part of spiritual growth. You know how to tell you're growing spiritually? People don't like this, but it's true. You know how to tell you're growing spiritually? You're growing financially. You cannot grow spiritually without growing financially. You say, Pastor, I'll tell you, I had not had an increase in 10 years. Have you grown spiritually in the last 10 years? You don't have to answer that question to me. You need to answer it to yourself. But if you grow spiritually, let me say that again. If you grow spiritually, you will grow financially. It is connected like the sunrise is connected to the sunset. You will grow financially if you grow spiritually. I like this one. Good success is easily shared with other people. I I saw a guy. He was a well-known politician and he got into some uh, some other interest, entertainment, different things like that, and they, they showed the, the, this one year that he had in which he made close to $170 million. Hundreds, I could say his name. Everybody know know who he was. He made close, in, in his best financial year, he made right at, put in his pocket, after everything he spent, everything, he put in his pocket about $170 million. Pretty good, pretty good year. I'd like to have a year like that. You know how much he gave that year? $36. He gave $36 that year. Good success is easily shared. You say, why is it easily shared? Because you know the source. And you know the source of it's not going to be cut off in your life. And you know if you have found good success and God has blessed you, then you know how to continue in it and cause it to grow. That's really what you need. It's not some financial idea that you get from Wall Street how to manipulate or do this or do that. No, what you need is a revelation from the Word of God of how to do what God says, obey, follow through with it, and then here in the last of the last days, when the entire economy of the world is shaking and falling, you'll be standing solid upon the rock, not only blessed, but a blessing to others because you have not only what you need to supply your needs, you have leftovers to bless others with. Amen. Now the last thing. We'll close with this. My time's up. Good success leads to future good success because today's blessing provides seed for tomorrow. When I was in Bible school, Pastor John Osteen would always share a lot of his testimony about how he grew up. He grew up on a farm up by Paris, Texas. Anybody know where Paris, Texas is? Up by the border where the Red River is? Right before you go into Oklahoma. His father was a farmer. Actually, he was a sharecropper. And his father on one piece of land would always grow corn. And back then, that was before combines and stuff like that. They would pick a lot of the corn by hand. They'd have these big baskets of corn. And he said his father would always meticulously go through all those baskets. And he said he noticed they had a a bin. You know what a bin is? It's a little storage place. In their barn... And he said he would look up in there and there, in there, his father would go through these, all these baskets of corn that they were, that they were reaping out from the harvest. And he said the most perfect ears. He said the corn, the kernels would be in straight lines. He said every part of the, of the cob would be full of kernels and they would be just straight and the corn would be bright and yellow and it'd be, it'd just be. And he asked his dad one time, he said, why don't we eat that corn? And he said, this is what his dad said. His dad wasn't a, you know, a big believer, a Christian, anything. He he's a good man, but wasn't a Christian. He said, we don't eat that corn because that corn is our seed for next year. That's our best of our crop. That's the best of our crop. And he, and he looked at, at Brother John Osteen when he was a young boy and he said, you always keep your best seed for next year's harvest. He said later on when he got saved and got into the ministry, he understood exactly what his father was saying. How that good success will do what? It will provide a seed for further success down the road of your life. But you're the one that's responsible. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Now, as we get into the Word, listen, I'm telling you right now, and I I, I said this about a year ago, I began to say this. A lot of our teaching is for information, but a lot of it also is warning you of what is coming. I have seen in the Spirit I know not only by what the Holy Ghost has shown me and what the Word of God talks about, I know it because I've done my homework looking at financial trends, what's going on with currency, all this kind of stuff that's going on because I don't want to lose what I have and I want to use what I have to get more for tomorrow because we got a lot of people we need to reach. Amen. You have to understand this. We sit in a church, all things being equal, this church probably has about three-quarters. If we had our early service crowd put it in here right now, we'd have about three-quarters of the capacity of this building filled. There's been no great move of God, no great move of uh, of of what I would call healing. Thank God we've seen some wonderful healings. No great move of what we've seen, uh, uh, what we would, what would we call uh, lots of people packing the altars to get saved, get right with God. We've seen some people last week was Easter. We saw, I don't know, maybe a half a dozen in the, in the second service and maybe two or three in the first service that either got saved or got right with God. Amen. But you have to understand, church, in a moment of time, and it will happen, in a moment of time, this all changes with catastrophe, disaster, and oppression. Amen. And persecution of the church. Y'all been following the church in Alberta, Canada. They shut, shut it down. Put a fence around it with a big black tarp around it, put the pastor in jail. He's in jail for 35 days. Did you know the church has doubled? Did you know now outside of the church every Sunday more almost double their congregation and even more than that people are getting saved they're coming to that property and the church people are going throughout that crowd getting people saved getting them healed touching them with the power of God and the more they've tried to shut that thing down the bigger it gets. We are not living in a time in which the government of our nation or our state or this world looks favorable on Christianity. They don't want you having church. They don't want us preaching the gospel. They don't want us declaring that God is preeminent even over governments. They want to be God. If you hadn't woke up to that yet, you need to wake up. Amen. And in that type of atmosphere, they're coming after us. And then the looming disaster of what could happen at any moment in the Middle East in some other foreign part of the world or even in our own nation with attack with violence with all kinds of things that are brewing right now because the devil is brewing him. he knows his seven years are fixing to hit and he wants to maximize the potential of what he has left before he's locked up for a thousand years. So you have to realize, church, all of this is warning and preparation. Warning and preparation. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready with your money. Get ready with your health. Where is your your health confession? Where is your wealth? I'm not believing that health and wealth stuff. Then what are you going to do when it hits? When you have nothing else to put faith in but God. That's why God is trying to teach us these things and inspire us to walk in their light. So when the lights go out, we still have light. Amen? Let me close with this. I'm going to get a generator for my house. You say, why? I don't like being without power. You, you missed a really good opportunity to shout. <laughs> Amen. Amen? Do you understand, church, when our lights were out for those few days, there wasn't trees falling on the lines knocking the lights out. They cut the lights out. They cut the lights out. And I've looked at some trends and some things. Get ready this summer for rolling blackouts where you could be without power for three to four days at a time when it's 95 degrees with 80% humidity. I don't like being without power. Same thing is true of the Word of God. You better build yourself a financial generator. You better build yourself a health generator. You better build yourself something from the Word of God that when the lights go out, you still have light. You still have power. You still have provision. If you will do that, God will be faithful to you. And I know there's going to be an element of the mercy and grace of God that's going to help people, but why should you have to live the rest of your life in a recovery mode where God can't use you in any way because you're constantly in recovery? God wants you out of recovery He wants you blessed, and he wants you blessed to be a blessing. So when people are so hungry they have no food, you can feed them. They have no clothes, you can clothe them. They have no shelter, you can shelter them. And listen, I I, I took some time, and I went on the Internet, and I wanted to look at what these cities are looking like now. Because Lee and I, listen, this has been four years ago. We preached our hearts out in Hawaii for 12, 14 years. And we watched the homeless population grow and grow. We showed up one year for a a crusade and an outreach. We're doing a crusade and an outreach. In our outreach, I think we did groceries that year and Walmart cards, big old stack of Walmart cards. We did surfboards. We did bicycles, just giving to blessing the people. And we pulled into a park, and I was kind of perplexed because it was like, I think we got there on Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, and the park was full. Now, usually you see that. And they have these huge parks by the beach, these these just beautiful parks right right on the beach. And I was perplexed because usually you don't see that until the weekend. And so I didn't think anything about it. We went and checked in the hotel room. And and so uh, I think that afternoon the pastor, uh, 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 Pastor Tapua called me, Bishop Tapua called me. And and I asked him, I said, by the way, what kind of holiday, what's going on? He said, what do you mean? I said, the, the, the parks are packed all the, way down, all the way down the Farrington Highway, which runs down the west coast of, uh, of, of, of the island of Hawaii. I said, every park we went by is packed. He said, oh. I said, what do you mean, oh? He said, that's the homeless. That was back in 2010, 2008. He said, that's the homeless. He said, what happened was, if you could prove any type of true Hawaiian heritage, you know, you might be half Hawaiian or quarter Hawaiian, because there's a lot of Filipino Hawaiian, there's, there's Chinese Hawaiian, there's Portuguese Hawaiian, there's all these type of Hawaiian. He said, if you could prove any type of lineage to a true Hawaiian family, then you got a subsidy from the government. He said, they took it away. He said, man. So from that point until four we haven't been there, this summer will be four years, Four years ago, we, just, we were tired, we'd been so busy, and, and Breland had just graduated from high school, maybe the year before she graduated. We, we just went for vacation, stayed there just to stay, and we were shocked, shocked at the people living on... Not, not drug addicts, not mentally insane people, little families living in tents. That mom would get up in the morning and ride the bus into Waikiki and make up beds. We saw... Lean tos. When we come into Waikiki to go to dinner at night or something like that, the lean tos on the McDonald's and all of the restaurants where people had built cardboard houses lined the entire highway into Waikiki. So I got on the internet about a month ago and I wanted to see what Seattle looked like. I wanted to see what I wanted to see what Los Angeles looked like. I wanted to see what San Francisco. Let me tell you something, Church. You ought to thank God you live where you live, but it's coming here. It's coming. What are you going to do when you come to church and you see? cardboard lean-tos all around the building. You're going to go tell them to leave? Where are they going to go? They're going to be living on this island over here, this little island with these trees. They're living in those trees. They're going to be, you say, that's crazy. That's cra- what do you mean that's crazy? It's already happening. People are losing everything. You say, well, are you trying to scare us? No, I'm trying to get you to wake up and realize there is a way to serve God that does not give you insurance. It gives you assurance that no matter what happens on this earth, I know in whom I believe, I'm persuaded that He's able to keep that which I've delivered unto Him. And in the midst of that, God is going to have a people that's going to be blessed financially. And sure, we may have to feed, we may have to clothe, we may have to house, but we will be able to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and thank God. Father, we thank You today. Lord, and I speak over every person right now, blessing. That power you talked about in Deuteronomy chapter 8. In their jobs, blessed. At their business, blessed. In their investments, blessed. In their accounts, blessed. In their family, their children, their grandchildren, blessed, 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 blessed. That no one who names the name of Jesus here at Island Church, wherever we'll be homeless, wherever we'll go hungry, hungry,'ll we'll ever lack in any way. But Father, as we make the adjustments, financially, ridding ourselves of Christian brainwashing and inerrant doctrine and walking in New Testament revelation, I thank you that you pour out abundance upon this church like never before and we're able to be not only blessed, but a blessing to people in Jesus' name. You agree with that? Say amen, glory to God, stand on your feet. Father, thank you for the week coming up. We declare our prosperity, our blessing, our safety, and our deliverance. Thank you no evil befalls us. Thank you no plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Thank you that angels have charge over us. Thank you, heavenly Father, whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, or the railways, We are the blessed of God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. In a a righteous labor of our hands, which we find the resource that you've given us, we say no accidents, no trauma, no terror, no evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself, and we push back against the infections of this day. We stand on the front side. We bind the flu, colds, seasonal allergies, coronaviruses, and all their mutations. We say you are defeated and under our feet in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you also in our hearts is a desire to be a blessing to people, that we might share Jesus and his saving grace. So this coming week, grant us opportunities to be blessings to people, problems to the adversary, answers to people's prayers, a miracle in their life. Fathers, we leave today. We walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.